Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CONCACAF Champions League Review Show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another special edition of the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. 2021 CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal first leg review show as we look into the quarterfinal matchups here in CONCACAF and you know I I have to say this is that the last two nights this past Tuesday and Wednesday it did not disappoint at all the all MLS affair between Philadelphia and Atlanta uh, Toronto against Cruz Azul but you got to say the Wednesday nighter where you had Columbus and Monterrey and then you had the nightcap, Club America and Portland Timbers. My God, what can you say about a magical night of CONCACAF fun, CONCACAF uh, buffoonery, CONCACAF absolutely just a fun night. A fun night on Wednesday to see all of those matches and the excitement and all you can say is this. It did not disappoint at all. Did not disappoint at all. Nothing of it disappointed at all. Nothing. That, my friends, is what CONCACAF is all about when you get to the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. And it's amazing uh, to watch what happened. As you saw it, I saw it, we all saw it. Magical moments happening and... You know what was also pretty good about this whole thing? VAR coming into play. And you know what? It worked. Obviously, that's the one thing that that you you wondered, what would happen if VAR, you know, would come into play in one of these big-time matches? And how would it have worked out? And it worked out very well. It worked out very, very well. And then you saw the cream of the the cream rising to the top. When you saw the talent being displayed, the technical ability coming in, and just doing wonderful things that we all know this competition is going to show. This, my friends, is something special, something wonderful. And all I can say is, is that it's going to be even better when we get to the 2023 season, when the final edition of this current era of the Champions League goes into the brand new edition for 2023-24. We are going to see this competition grow bigger and better. It has been growing bigger and better, and 
it's not disappointing at all. Not disappointing at all. I am just excited. I am just happy. I've been enjoying this Champions League run from some of these MLS sides very well. And all I can say is, is that you should too. The excitement and the delivery of this Champions League so far has been amazing. And the one thing I'll say is this. I think the pleasant surprise coming into this Champions League so far is the Philadelphia Union. I think the Philadelphia Union has really been a huge surprise so far in these first three games in their first ever CONCACAF Champions League run. Not so much of the opponents that they're playing against, but how they're playing against them. Because I think Atlanta United, in all honesty, Atlanta United has been a disappointment in this quarterfinal matchup so far. They did everything well, and then all of a sudden, you know, it just fell apart. And, you know, when you look at teams like Club America, they are a historical team, of course. They are a big-name team in this region, in Mexico. Their history is absolutely, you know, full of riches. One of the better clubs in all of Mexico in Liga MX. But, you know, and I know so far they have not won in, on U.S. soil facing MLS opponents. I think it's uh, oh, zero wins, uh, five losses, three draws, I think it is, or if it's the three losses and five draws, something like that. But I have to tell you, when they want to play a game, they will play a game. When they want to lower themselves into the chicanery, the buffoonery, the silly, stupid tactics because of their arrogance of being a top club. It's ridiculous how they perform because the truth is that penalty that was called, it was the right call. There was a foul before the handball against Portland. There was the handball and then, of course, someone was saying on Twitter, I forgot who it was, but he said the penalty should have been negated because of the foul in the area. No, no, there was a foul before all of that happened, and the foul was, should have been called on Club America before the penalty was called. Then the penalty happened because of the handball by Club America in their own area, and then one of the Club American players uh, got thrown down. But the truth is, Penalty was the correct call. Mora, cool as you like, smashes it home low to to his right. And Memo Ochoa dives the wrong way. Portland, big time. Columbus had a chance to do some magic, unfortunately. Uh, Monterey 
I, I give Monterey, Monterey the Riados, I, I give them tons of credit. I give them tons of respect because they are, in my opinion, always in my opinion, one of the top clubs in Mexico in the current era of Liga MX. Uh, Victor Vucetic, who was their manager a long time ago, now with Guadalajara Chivas, you know, that man has done so many things for Monterrey and winning three, two to three consecutive CONCACAF Champions League titles, of course, beating Real Salt Lake and, de- and defeating Santos Laguna two years in a row after they defeated Real Salt Lake to win that Champions League title. It's just amazing to watch. You know, that's a club that has been so strong in recent times, recent era, in international cup competition, international club cup competition, I should say. And, you know, you just have to respect the will and the drive by the purple and white of Monterey. Columbus will have plenty on their hands in the second leg. I thought they did well. It's just that one little break, that one little moment Columbus just was disorganized. And these Mexican League teams, these Liga MX teams, they will punish you if you don't tighten up defensively and if you don't mark your, if you don't mark your, your, uh, you know, your men the way you should. You'll get beat badly, very badly. Eloy Room, I thought he had a, a great match, but once again, if your backliners and your defenders, if your midfielders are going to defend, if even if your forwards are going to go and defend, if you're not marking the men to protect, to protect that one-goal lead, you're in trouble. And even though it's 2-2 on aggregate, Monterey on Columbus right now ahead on away goals 2-0. Heading down to that new stadium that's been there, I think, since the start of last year, that's, that's a fortress. That is a huge fortress in Monterey. And for the crew to go down there and try get an away goal and a lead on aggregate, that's a tall task. And that's the one thing that Columbus needs to do. They at least need to score one to two goals to not only level on aggregate, but to take a lead, or should I say level it on away goals, but to take a lead on aggregate. Because if Monterey gets two at home, you at least force penalties. And we'll see what happens down the road. But it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. Toronto, Toronto had a missed opportunity, unfortunately. Toronto, I, I really thought that Toronto had some very good chances. Unfortunately, not enough quality chances. Maybe a couple of half chances. But when you go down 3-1 on aggregate, and those are three away goals on, uh, you know, for Cruz Azul. Toronto's got a huge, huge trip 
to crawl and climb back in. For them to get that goal to level the score at one in the first leg, that is their only saving grace right now that they're still involved in this tie. Cruz Azul right now is on the forefront and the front foot. It's going to be hard and difficult. And then, like we've already said about you know Atlanta and Philadelphia, one of those two teams are going to the semifinals regardless. And depending on who wins that tie, you know, they're going to have a huge difficult task to take on the winners in the semifinals. And it's going to be interesting to watch. Very interesting to watch. You know, I have to say, Merritt Paulson, uh, the owner of the uh, Portland Timbers, that man is funny. And I love his energy. I love his enthusiasm. And just for him to uh, be behind the net where Portland got their penalty... My God, it's just fun to watch when an owner of a club dedicated like Merritt Paulson in a nice outfit goes on and he's yelling and screaming, it's a penalty, it's a penalty, you know, give us, give it to us, it's a penalty, and then he gets it. It's funny. It's awesome at the same time, but it's funny. But it's in a good way funny. Because you see his passion jumping up and down, screaming at the top of his lungs, my God. It was absolutely fantastic to watch him go bonkers like that. And now it's tough for Portland to go out there and pull a, you know, pull an upset to do a job. This is what you sign up for. This is what you try to do. This is the situation that you got to come up with because you want to go out there and you want to do a job and you want to go and say, you know what? you got to go out there and you've got to make it happen. And if you can make it happen, you'll be victorious and then you'll move on into the next round. That's all you can say about that. It's all you can do about that. So that's what it is. And it's, it's exciting. Very exciting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, i got a great show for you tonight. Um, we're going to get Jason Longshore on next week, unavailable uh, tonight. But we'll have him on next week. But let's talk about Atlanta United for a moment here. You know, Atlanta United, uh, I really thought, you know, they had control of the match. I thought they did everything right. I thought they were going to go out there. And they were going to go and uh, pull off a big up, you know, no, I shouldn't say a big upset, but, you know, show their muscle. And then what happens? Everything fell apart when Casper Shabilko finds a way and beats him. Beats him bad. Beats them really, really bad. 
I mean, that is just, uh, you know, embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. Because i got to tell you guys, it, it's just amazing to see what Atlanta United was trying to do. I thought they had a very good game plan to go into uh, into their home at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And then here comes Philadelphia. And Philadelphia... In the second half, they ran rough shot all over Atlanta United. Um, you know, Joseph Martinez, I don't know if he's fully fit. I don't know, you know, if he's 100% back. But I got to tell you, and I'm being honest with everyone here, Atlanta really was on the for- forefront. They were on the front foot, and... I really thought that they were going to go get a goal or two. Um, Andre Blake right now has been fantastic in goal for Philadelphia for these last several years. Andre Blake, I've always felt, has been a damn good goalie. Uh, I I enjoy watching him play for the Union. Um, I really believe that they got a a Union legend right there in goal ever since he got drafted. Um, obviously, you know, he probably had aspirations to go to Europe. Don't know if he can still do that, but, you know, for the union right now, it's been pretty good. And let me also say this, you know, for Atlanta United. As soon as that first goal was punched home, you just have to say that maybe you're thinking they'll come back, and, of course, you always have to think you're going to come back as an Atlanta United supporter that they're going to come back and they're going to find a way to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, get back into the match and, and do everything they can to, um, you know, make it a match. I have never, ever seen an Atlanta United team, ever since they came into the league, whether it's under um, Frank DeBoer, Tata Martino, never, ever did I ever felt that Atlanta United would be out of the game at home. Three goals scored on them by the Union. Three goals scored on them, and not even a goal for. I've never seen them get, you know, I've never seen an opposition get a clean sheet against Atlanta United. Never would I ever have seen that. Regardless if it's in MLS, the Open Cup, or even the CONCACAF Champions League. Because I'm telling you right now, that, my friends, <coughs> pardon me, that, my friends, is a complete horror show. That is something that I never thought I would ever see happen to an Atlanta United team. They were competitive. I believe they were very competitive. But in all honesty, once that first goal went in, everything fell apart. They played a fantastic first half. I mean, they were still, you know, battling out there. They were pressing. They were pushing. They were doing anything and everything to get that goal to get on the board. But you're going to have to give credit to the union. The Philadelphia Union defense was strong. 
The Philadelphia Union goalkeeping was also strong. Everything that happened that night that you thought Atlanta can get, you know, can get their way going, it just did not happen. It just did not happen. And right now, for the first time I would say ever for the for Atlanta United, they're in a hole. They are in a huge hole right now. If you allow three away goals and you don't score one in the goal aggregate game along with away goals with that ruling, this is a tough mountain to climb back because the union right now at Subaru Park, that is going to be the biggest test for Atlanta United. Now, obviously, I cover the Red Bulls, and I know Atlanta United has not beaten the Red Bulls either at Red Bull Arena or at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the regular season. The only time they beat the Red Bulls was in the playoffs to go to the MLS Cup final because they hosted the first leg of the, quarter, of the semifinals in their building. And if it wasn't for VAR to wipe out Bradley Wright Phillips' goal, it would have been probably the same old, same old. But the truth is, Atlanta United has never beaten the Red Bulls in the regular season. Now you have Atlanta United taking on the Philadelphia Union, losing for the first time at home in this competition by a 3-0 scoreline. You never thought they would ever lose like that against an MLS opponent, whether it be in the regular season, Open Cup, or even in the CONCACAF Champions League. And now Philadelphia is 90 minutes away from moving on to the semifinals. Atlanta's tough task right now, as well as Gabriel Heinze, he's got to get a stronger game plan going. He's got to find a way to crack through that back line of Philadelphia's. Jim Curtin right now has been unbelievable. Jim Curtin right now has been top-notch. All you can say right now for Philadelphia is that they are in the driver's seat fully. And for Atlanta United, you got to claw, you got to scream, you got to scratch, you got to find a way to go out there. And you need to find that way to get back into this aggregate, to get back into this tie. Because right now, you got to score more than three goals. If you score three goals and you force penalties, then it's a miracle. If you get four and you somehow stop Philadelphia from scoring at home, it's the biggest miracle in the history of the CONCACAF Champions League, and it's the biggest miracle in the history of MLS in International Cup, Club, Club Cup competition. This is where your big money makers, they need to go out there. We're talking about Joseph Martinez, and we're talking about Ezekiel Barco. And all the other players on this Atlanta United team, this is where your big money players have to come up, step up, and say, you know what? We got to start rolling as soon as the opening whistle blows. We got to go out there. We got to go and perform. We got to go and we have to shock Philadelphia and how they shocked us. We have to return the favor. And if we're not going to return the favor, then that's the end of it. And then you got to hope and uh, you know qualify for this competition next year. Because as of right now, 
as of right now. Atlanta United is not good. It's not good right now for that club. It's not good for Atlanta United, and they need to find a way to go out there, and they need to break through. If they can't break through, that's it. So long, sayonara, it's over. This is a big test now for this young, not in age, but only in years of how long this club has been around in MLS. Still a young club. What they need to do to go out there and perform the biggest miracle in the history of their existence. Plain and simple, a job must be done right now. They have to. They must. Or else it's over. And once again, guys, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Atlanta United has to find a way to get in there, and they must find a way to make a miracle happen. Because if they don't make the miracle happen, that's it. It's over. It is completely over. I think you know that. I think I know that. Everyone knows that. But, you know, once again, it's a situation for Atlanta that – they must fight back, and they have to fight back hard, maybe even harder than what they're used to. But once again, like I said, I, I understand what's been going on. I understand how it went. But Atlanta right now has a problem. And that problem is you're down three goals to nil. And Atlanta must find a way to come back. You have 90 minutes to do so. There, it has been done in the past. Not in the CONCACAF Champions League, but we have seen clubs like Arsenal make the attempt to fight back against Barcelona, where they had to score three goals to level the aggregate. Now, Granted, Barcelona got the fourth, but at, at least Arsenal found a way to fight back. Look what happened, I guess, with Red Bull Salzburg when they had to travel to the cop in England against Liverpool. They were down 3-0, 4-0 in the first half. And Jesse Marsh, if you've seen that video, Jesse Marsh telling his team in both in English and in German – you got to fight back. You can't sit around. This is your opportunity. You got to go out there and you got to beat them up. You got to destroy them. Let's go now. Let's go. And they fought back. They, they shocked Liverpool and climbed back for a 4-4 draw in the first leg, or should I say in the first group stage game, but then Liverpool has scored to win the aggregate 5-4 after the first, after the first game in the group stage. And then, obviously, Liverpool scored goals in Salzburg. They won the. They won the. I shouldn't say they won the aggregate, but they but they won the group. And uh, Salzburg couldn't even clinch the second position, and they were out of the Champions League. But in that game, in the group stage, Jesse Marsh performed a miracle, and it wasn't completed because 
Liverpool scored the la- the ninth goal of the match late, and the draw never happened. And Salzburg, as good as they were in that group stage, the big, big problem was facing Liverpool for the second time in the last match of the group stage in their Red Bull Arena, and they fell down, and they got eliminated. So this is the situation right now for Atlanta, even though it's the knockout stage in CONCACAF Champions League. The truth is, this is a big test right now for Atlanta United. This is, the, this is a huge test for Atlanta United. A huge test. And they're going to have to do a job, very big job here. If they can get out of it, if they do get out of it, and they force penalties, or if they score more away goals than what uh, Philadelphia did, then it's a, the miracle is complete. But once again, it's the situation that we've all been saying. Atlanta United has to now play big boy football. They have to go out and do a job. And they have to find a way to fight against the union and try to take that quarterfinal tie from them to advance to the semis. It's a big task tall task. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But for right now, it's a huge, tall task. So let's get ready for this and let's see what happens. At the tone, please record your message. And we're going to try again to get uh, Matt Ralph from the Brotherly League game on to talk about this big victory for the Philadelphia Union. Huge victory. Huge victory. 3-0 on the road. 3-0 for the Union. This is a situation that, I mean, I'll be honest, nothing against Jim Curtin. Nothing against him at all. It's a big moment for the short history of the Philadelphia Union, five-plus years of, of their existence to move ahead as we get ready to talk about this huge victory like going both. And once again, waiting for Matt Ralph of the Brotherly Game to join me tonight. And hopefully we'll uh, get him on as a uh, soon as possible. You know, I got to say, Casper Shabilko has been amazing in his short time with the Union. <clears throat> um, his time has been amazing. <clears throat> he has been the one that uh, coming up big, big, big goals, big, big goals 
for this club. And, uh, you know, once again, uh, he's coming up big once again, scoring two goals in this one. 3-0 for the Union over Atlanta United. At the tone, and please now, record your now, message. When you have finished recording... Somebody said he was ready. And we're going to try that again. So once again, as I've said... I'll get back um, to you. This was can. a big, big Thank win. You. Okay. So we're having issues right now with the phone. <coughs> Excuse me. Having some issues right now connecting with Matt Ralph. Um, we'll see what happens here. But, you know, I think just got to say that, um, you know, Jim Curtin has done a very good job here. And uh, all I can say is, is that, uh, you know, Jim Curtin has done a great job. Now, on the uh, air right now, we got Matt Ralph from the Brotherly Game of SB Nation covering the Philadelphia Union. Uh, Matt, I guess your son is going to uh, take over the, your duties as a uh, union correspondent <laughs> since he's got your phone. Thank you for uh, pulling it away. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's all right. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah. Um you know, Matt, I got to tell you, um, not to say I wasn't picking the Union uh, to make a long run. I mean, obviously, I, you know, look, this was this is the Union's first time in the Champions League. But, you know, the, the, the round of 16 opponent, um, you know, that was a great tie between yourself and uh, Deportivo Saprissa. And now you go into um, – Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the Union did, and they pull off probably the, the biggest upset so far in Champions League history in CONCACAF with a 3-0, I'll say it, you slapped them across the face and you kicked them in the butt. A 3-0 victory, all three away goals down in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. How impressed were you and how... Um, Unbelievably, you know, shocked were you? Uh, well, um, I mean, depends how impressed I was. Probably depends on which which half of the game we're talking about. Um, I mean, first of all, I, I wouldn't call it an upset. I would call three zero an upset um, because it was unpredictable. But um, I fully expected them to go into Atlanta and, and get like a one nil win if they would get a win or or just like you know, like a one one or a draw. I didn't think they were going to go down there and lose. Um, I do think that the fact that Atlanta was in the competition, uh, I think they did uh, they did everybody else that's not an Atlanta fan a favor, um, just because you know they, they they got in as a you know 2019 Open Cup winner, and um, you know I think the you know the, the Union were definitely uh, a team that, that that won a competition to be there. So um, I think they showed. Um, you know, that they were, you know, and again, like you said, I mean, I agree with that, that, you know, they're new to, they're new to the competition and, 
you know, there, you know, who knew how they were going to do first time going through this, but uh, you know, they showed that they were the team that in the second half, at least that they're the team to be. And, you know, anything obviously can happen in the return leg, but um, I think still think the thing that was most shocking was that they got the second and third goal uh, partially because the way that Atlanta continued to play, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, which is, which is still a little bit of a head scratcher that uh, you go down one goal on a, you know, a really kind of a, a weird goal. I mean, the union had their first, uh, Kessler had the first shot on goal that led to the the save that, that pushed the, you know, put the ball out of bounds for a corner. They score off a corner kick, um, you know, where where Casper is unmarked at the far post. Uh, potentially he was screened by, by uh, some players for the union, but, um, you know, and then, you know, they go down on a, on a set piece goal and then they give up two, essentially two, two breakaway goals um, to, uh, you know, to, to add to the, to the misery for the night. But, um, you know, I think people have said, you know, is it possible to have a, a, a three goals smash and grab? Um, <laughs> but just because of the first half. And I think, you know, you look back to the first half, it was Andre Blake. You know, he he kept them in the game. It could have been 3-0 easily, Atlanta, and um, 2-0 at least. And, you know, he kept them in the game. And then they wore they wore out Atlanta, and Atlanta kind of refused to, to adjust to to what was happening, and you know, and I think they they paid they paid the price for it. No, they really did, and uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm watching this game, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, Jim Curtin has to be applauded for having his players ready to go, and obviously, it's not just because you took on Atlanta; it's just like you know, like like for him, who has been sensational since been given the opportunity to be the head coach of the union, you know, we all know what happened. You know, you first had Peter Novak, and then you had John Hackworth, and Hackworth wasn't <laughs> doing the job, and then here comes Jim Curtin. And, you know, I'll be honest, there were probably a lot of question marks about how Jim Curtin was going to be a head coach here. And then it's like he grew into the role, and now look what he's done in how many years he's been a head coach for the union? Three years, four years, something like that? And uh, Longer than that, you now, know. Yeah. Longer than that, I, I mean, you know, he's really molded himself into, I would say, probably a you know a, a, a grade A head coach. I mean, I definitely have him right now uh, leveled with you know, I'll say with Jesse Marsh. I'm not going to say Bruce Arena yet because he hasn't he hasn't reached that upper echelon yet. But for like mm-hmm. for the union yeah. right now, he has been fantastic. Great tactics. He motivates his players. He does everything that he needs to do. And now, of course, with the front office, the sporting director is giving him players that he needs to execute his tactics. And, you know, it's just a well-deserved job well done. It's just well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things, you know, again, I think going into this, you – you know, the question mark around the union was, you know, could, you know, this is a new competition, um, you know, coming out of preseason, how would they look? Um, they haven't looked their best, but uh, certainly haven't in league play. But, you know, Jim Curtin is a coach that knows how to coach these games. I mean, he's been to three uh, Open Cup finals. Uh, he knows he knows how to get his teams ready for, uh, you know, for a knockout competition. I know 
Open Cup one game knockout as opposed to a two-leg situation. But I, I do think, yeah, you, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, Jim Curtin is someone who has, has grown a lot as a coach. Uh, he's a he's a local guy. He's, you know, I think as the Philly fans kind of like – He's like one of the, it's like one of he's like one of us you know so to speak um, because of you know how how much he is you know just a Philly guy and a Philly supporter of other sports teams here and um, you know he, he's someone that you know they've the team you know so much of the attention obviously has been on you know the, the team's ability to um, grow young talent and find um, you know underappreciated talent on the the international market and uh, but really it's also been coaching and developing coaches and you know he's he's proven himself from you know he was a volunteer assistant at Villanova and, and you know coaching like you know four-year-old kids and working his way up as a coach and you know all the way to the you know to the top team in the in the, in the you know MLS team in the city here and uh, you know he's really shown a lot of growth and a lot of development as a coach, as a tactician, like you mentioned, and he's he's a coach that players want to win for, and you know that players are willing to you know trust you know trust his expertise. And I think he he mentioned after the game, you know how um, you know so much of their philosophy is sort of this bend but don't don't break, and he getting buy-in from his players even in the moments when it seemed like things weren't going to go their way that night. Um, you know, that, you know, that second half, that was the plan. The plan was to wear Atlanta down and they did that. And then they took advantage when, when Atlanta was, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, they expended a lot of energy trying to score on Andre Blake. And then, um, you know, they, again, I think from, for, for what the union is wanting to do, uh, you know, his players believe in that and they stick to the principles that, that he drills in them. And, you know, they, 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 they want to win for him. And I think, it, you know, it's shown, uh, you know, an open cup and, you know, in the MLS's back tournament last year, even though they, they didn't make it to the final, they, they, they had a, a really good run there as well, where, um, you know, the way that he sets his team up, the way he prepares them, you know, they, they, they perform well in, in knockout competitions. And uh, I don't, I don't think the champions league really is any different. Um, it hasn't completely felt like a Champions League so far with playing Atlanta again, Atlanta this round, but um, it's definitely um, it, it should definitely be applauded how they've how they've gone about their business and um, you know we'll see right on Tuesday night they have they have they have work to do to kind of keep this keep the lid on Atlanta's offense some more and you know they'll they'll get to to, to you know get a trip to Mexico out of the deal in August. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, what is the one worry you're going to have about this second leg at home? I mean, obviously, the union been strong at home at Subaru Park. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, we, I think we all know there's going to be no quit in Atlanta because, uh, as I've said before, you know, we've seen Arsenal play Barcelona. They were down 3-0 in their uh, Champions League match a couple of years ago, and they fought back. But Barcelona did get the fourth goal on aggregate to win it 4-3. How important is it for the union to not lose their aggregate lead? Yeah, I, you know, I think the, um, you know, the one factor, and I think, you know, especially again watching that first half, it was being much, a, it was a downer early when Jose Martinez picked up the yellow card, which means he's suspended for Tuesday. Um, you know that you know Jose is a very important part of what uh, you know what Curtin's trying to do with his system, and 
So, you know, that's, they're going to lose a little bit losing him. Um, but, you know, they still have uh, – you know, he has a lot of options. You know, we'll see, we'll see how he lines up. But, you know, you would think in a normal – you know, all things equal, the union are not going to let up more than two goals. But this is college kick-ass Champions League, and Atlanta is going to throw everything at them. So I do think um, the, the, the concern for, for the union for me is, you know, they're going to – I, I doubt they're going to get a clean sheet. Okay. Um, and I think they're, they're going to have to figure out in the game, if they do let up a couple goals, if they're down, cause they can still win, they can still advance if they're, if they lose two nil. Right. So, um, right. You know, I, I think, I think for them, it's going to, again, it's going to be sticking to their tactics and not panicking. If, you know, they let in a couple goals, right. Um, not panicking. Right. If, uh, you know, some, there's a red card early. Right. Because even you know all all the scenarios that could happen, I think the key for this team right. is they're going to have you know they still have that cushion and they need to not panic and not and not let you know anything bad that could potentially happen because you know a- any possible thing could happen <laughs> in a Concacaf you know second leg Champions League quarterfinal anything really can happen so I think it's really just for them yep. as the players just sticking to what got them there and and not. Uh, not panicking, it, you know, when, when, not if, when things start to kind of maybe look a little, little tense, um, you know, Atlanta right. scores in the first t- 10 minutes of the game and you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen here? <laughs> you know? Exactly. No, but you're right. They, they, no, they, you're could, turn around, right. they uh, could turn around and win four nil. And then, you know, then, then there wouldn't be any worries. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand where you're coming from, man, and uh, that's the hope. So I'll speak to you next Friday. You take care, and uh, good luck uh, yep. in the league matches, okay? All right, thanks. Thank you. Matt Ralph, Brotherly League Game, SB Nation, covering the Philadelphia Union. And moving on now, we head back up to Canada, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The border may be closed, but the phone lines are not. Dwayne Rollins, 24th-minute blog, Soccer Today with Kevin Laramay, part of the Sports Podcasting Network. Uh Dwayne, 3-1 loss in the first leg to uh, Cruz Azul. Um, in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium, of course, temporary home for these games. Um, in your mind, in 90 minutes, I thought I personally thought Toronto did play good, probably not great, but um, once again, Cruz Azul, you know, they came in and meant business, and uh, they got the job done. Well, this is Toronto FC missing you know, inarguably its best player in, in Alejandro Pozuelo and, and arguably its second best player in Chris Mavinga as well, uh, right down the spine of the of their midfield and back line, of course. And and it's very difficult in that circumstance and trying to understand a new format or new uh, system as well from Chris Armas to um, expect they go down, they could be Cruz Azul, who, you know, again, arguably might be uh, the best team in form in Mexico right now too. So it's, it's look, was it a great game? No, uh, they had a lot of uh, vulnerabilities that were underlined in it, uh, particularly sort of uh, the speed at the back and just uh, their vulnerability in terms of being hit uh, with you know quick quick uh, attacking movements. But uh, I, I, you can't be too angry with it if you're a TFC fan because, as I said, this is a, a team that hasn't even had its full lineup in the past month, and 
despite that, did manage to get to this point by beating a Mexican team. I think that they can hold their hat on that and, and hold their head up high, I should say, hang their hat on that, and um, and, and move forward. And, and that's the key is how you approach the second leg, needing to score three goals at the Azteca, which does not seem likely to, to make an understatement, uh, and try and find a little bit of pride in, and build on to, to move forward. Uh, we're still, as far as my reporting goes, uh, two to three weeks away from Pozuelo coming back not sure you could judge TFC uh, until you see Pazuel in the lineup. Uh, you know, the new DP, um, perhaps, or probably not there either. Uh, do you run the risk of injury? Do you put kids out and run the risk of being blown out? These are the questions you have to ask. But but overall, uh, you know, getting a second goal or getting a goal in the game, at least uh, you showed a little pride there. Azario, uh, you know, uh, uh, Proves to be a continued uh, killer in the in the Champions League over his career, so that's that's something he can uh, hold on to another goal against Mexican opposition and quite a few in the 2018 run. Um, it's disappointing, of course, to go out of this competition. And to be frank, I mean they are. Let's let's not be insane with our <laughs> with our uh, belief in in the miracles yeah. here. But uh, I it, that said, as I said, it, it's it's fine. They, they beat Lyon, and that's valuable. They had. A very difficult draw, very difficult, it, almost an impossible draw. I don't think an MLS team's ever had a harder draw, and I'm not trying to be, you know, usually hyperbole there. When you think about it, they had in each round they would have had the hardest opponent possible, and it, it's hard to imagine a scenario where any MLS team, I don't care how good they were, could get through that, and for them to get one step along the way, I think is a positive. I mean, I agree with you there. I mean, just to see those young kids playing their heart out, their hearts out, and I thought they did very well against Leon in the round of 16. But I agree with you. You know, this has been, uh, you know, look, this is a tough draw for Toronto, and uh, you, you have to say they fought admirable, admirably. And um, I know I didn't say it right, but let me ask you this: How do you think VAR worked in this match? Because you had, they, they, Cruz Azul made it two-one. And then it got taken away because the player who uh, delivered the pass was offsides when the ball was played. Or I think it was the goal scorer that was uh, in an offside position. They took that away, and there was another point where they used VAR for another moment. I think uh, it got negated or something. But how did you think VAR did uh, in the Champions League so far? Um, Anyone who follows me on social media uh, will know that I am not a fan of VAR. So, so there is my bias put up front. Obviously, they got the calls correct uh, on the game. Uh, the offside call, though, although what I will argue with this is I, I truly do believe that as much as you can look at that offside goal that was called back and say, oh, look, there's an example of VAR you know, getting it right and helping the game. And I would say, I don't know, because I'm not sure the assistant referee doesn't just flag that in a normal circumstance where there's not VAR when they're not knowing that they have this backup behind them. That's always, you know, it's a chicken egg argument. I appreciate you can't prove that one way or the other, but um, I think it just undermines everything. I don't like VAR at all. I, I think it's a detriment to the game overall. And I think it's going to be an absolute disaster in CONCACAF because VAR is not, is only as good as the people manning it. And that's be blunt. Just because you have a, a second official in the VAR booth that, that is also a CONCACAF official doesn't mean that this is going to get any better. In fact, I could see a, an opportunity for this to be abused even further, but that's my own history and baggage with CONCACAF refereeing coming out there a little bit. And also, <laughs> you know, as I, 
my inherent bias against the the technology at all. But Daniel, I'm not a I'm purist when it comes to this. I don't want video replay in any of my sports. And I, this is some speaking to someone who can just remember, I'm not that old, but just remember in the early days when the NFL brought it in and then took it out for a while, then brought it back in, remembers when it came into all the sports and I hate them in all in them all. And I know that puts me in the minority. I just think that humans should referee sports or officiate sports that are played by humans. But that's, I grandpa's yelling at the clouds with that. And I appreciate that that's not going away. No problem. I mean, look, I, look, you, you know, I, anyone's opinion about VAR, whether it's good opinions or bad opinions, you're fine with me. It doesn't matter. I mean, you look, you know, I think it, it helps out some of the time and some, you know, it all depends on who gets it right and who gets it wrong and, and whatever else have you. But, um, you know, that third minute goal from Angulo, my God, I, I couldn't believe how quickly Cruz Azul got on the board. And of course, Osorio, who has been a hero for Toronto for how many years now? He gets that equalizer in the 20th, and then all of a sudden, like I said, like Cruz Azul just took over after that. Yeah. Jonathan Azario became the all-time appearance leader for TFC uh, recently as well. So uh, 2013, to answer your question there, wasn't another question, but you're you're wondering out loud there, uh, 2013 is when Jonathan Azario became a TFC player. Um, there's there's good news and bad news with John Rosario so far. It's the second goal of the year, and, and Rosario's had uh, in his career a couple other seasons where he's had double-digit goal seasons, and, and those are great for him. But uh, unfortunately, they correspond with DFC downform seasons. So 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 far not so good if you're thinking about it in those terms. But but maybe maybe he can combine it with a good season yet. Um, it's an un- incomplete project right now. This young players all over the field. Uh, great. I think they've performed really well at the start. They're starting to show the, they're lagging now. Uh, it's a lot of games. They, the stadium, they played where the Buccaneers play. Played the game before where uh, Orlando City plays. Before that, they played in Disneyland. They or World or whatever it is, they played in Disney. Uh, they, I forgot, always mix World and Land up. You never can keep them straight in my head anyway, Daniel. But uh, it's they played in five <laughs> different stadiums. Five stadiums in five games. Yeah. And this is just going to get worse and worse. Um, I mean, it's tracking up here right now that maybe they can get back into Canada in July, but July is still two months away. So this is a really important stretch for TFC to try and get as scrape as many points as they can so that, and then hope that they're still holding on when they get back into a normal schedule uh, with a lot of home dates, probably backdated line of down. Probably they are backdated to, to the season in the hopes that they might get fans in the stadiums here. And as I said, our vaccine, rollout suggests that maybe by late summer we can get some fans in and maybe by fall we could be fully vaccinated and, and have full stadiums by then and that's the hope for everyone but but yeah they, they've got to stay touch which I think when you approach the second legs you have to consider them in that manner that this is about setting yourself up to, to not fall further behind only one point out of their first uh, two MLS games um, and a big part of that was just the fatigue that was in play they, they have a bye this week uh, in MLS play, I think you rotate the squad on on, on next week when you're playing uh, Cruz Azul again. To, you know, go out and give players that haven't had a, a lot of chance to look. Give you know, have them go out, play hard, and play with pride. And you hope the Cruz Azul also looks at it as a cruise game and puts some of their younger players out too. And and you get out of it with your head up and ready to to really battle for three points next weekend because that's to me more important than than this because they're they're three goals of the Azteca and not to allow, come on. 
If that happens, man, look, we're going to have a conversation, but that's unlikely. So when does Chris Armas uh, put in the Gator? <laughs> um, that would have helped on that game. Uh, he, the problem, the guy, I don't know if he's going to have to maybe defensive midfielder. I, I think maybe he could sort of just sit in front of the front line there and uh, he could just be an intimidating process to sort of force the players out wide and they can, yeah, maybe that. Uh, yeah, certainly that's it. I got a lot of, if you don't know the story, a, a Gator showed up in training. I think most of your listeners would, but um, this made news all over the world. It was on both Football Ramble and the Guardian podcast this week. They talked about it. It was uh, newspapers around the world. Who knew an alligator could get so much attention for a football club? But, uh, but yeah, uh, fun times. Everyone survived. I guess that's the important thing. That was a big alligator, though. I mean, I'm, I grew up in the country, Daniel, so I'm not used to alligators, but I've seen lots of big wild animals before. Uh, but that one, I, I yeah. don't know if I would have been ready for that. No, I don't think you would be, Dwayne. I'll, I'll tell you right now, there, uh, there's actually bigger ones than that guy. I think there's a uh, uh, somewhere in the southern end of Florida, somewhere by Fort Worth or maybe closer to Fort Lauderdale, there's a al- huge freaking alligator, bigger than the one that was at TFC's training session, and he's walking around the golf course. And even the golfers are like, you know, they're staring, staying very clear away because – that was a big boy. I know that was a big boy too. They're big down there. Uh, I haven't seen one up close, like you know, not in a zoo or in an aquarium. Uh, I have seen uh, some alligators in the Bronx Zoo in the reptile uh, house, but I'll tell you, you don't want to be near one of those suckers. They uh, very territorial, my friend. Uh, there you go. Yeah, Daniel. I, when I played high school soccer, I the field that I played on uh, backed into a. Uh, an old railroad track and as i said it was a country school just north of the city that i grew up in i went to the country school so at any rate uh, we would occasionally and we were taught how to deal with this we would occasionally see see black bears wander onto the field never happened when i was training though uh, so i don't start that and black bears are you know penal black bears are well you wouldn't want to wrestle one or hug one but they're they're not oh absolutely they're, they're not. They eat bears. they eat berries but but I, you know, so I guess I have my own peripheral version. We have, we were taught in, in high school what to do, and which is to make yourself look big and loud and and back away slowly. But uh, I don't think I'd, you know, I'd be backing away not slowly, very quickly if a, if a gator showed up in the field. Well, there'd be a lot of problems if it showed up in my high school field because that they'd be way out of their territory at that point. No, absolutely. I mean, before I let you go, let me tell you what happened. Uh, one summer, uh, in summer of 93, my parents and I, we flew to uh, uh, Calgary, and we went to the uh, Canadian Rocky Mountains, stayed in all three hotels, um, Banff, Lake Louise, and then we went to Jasper. And then the night we were sleeping over in Jasper, we woke up the next morning, and I swear to God, I, I, looked, I opened the door, and there was a big moose right about, I would say, maybe six feet away from me. Uh, never charged. We just sat and watched, walked off on its own. It was really cool. Loved it. And that's the only time I think I've ever seen a moose uh, up close and personal. Jasper is a trip. Um, anyone, everyone knows Banff and Lake Louise, but Jasper is the third one you listed there. And if any, anyone's listing that when you can travel up here again, that is ultimately every stereotype you've ever had about Canada. It's in Jasper. You can see moose walking down the street all the time there. Mountain goats, uh, uh, even bears occasionally. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like you're walking 
Canada uh, amusement park. So, yeah, I recommend Jasper. That's not much about soccer, but there's not much really to talk about when it comes to TFC's second leg. Got to go in there and uh, play with pride and hope to get out without embarrassing yourself. No, absolutely. I, and I agree with you there. Uh, they got to go out there and try and pull off a big uh, upset if it's possible. All right, Dwayne, thank you very much. I'll talk to you next Friday. You take care and uh, talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blog. Also, um, Soccer Today with Kevin Laramie, part of the Sports Podcasting Network. Now we go to Columbus, Ohio. The Columbus crew at Historic Crew Stadium. 2-2 draw at home against Monterey. A very tough task for the crew. Um, had an opportunity to steal, I shouldn't say steal, but at least to get a victory at home, but Monterey found a way at the death to get it. Patrick Gouldan, the massive report uh, covering the Columbus crew, SB Nation. Patrick, uh, that was probably a gut-wrencher to see Monterey get a second away goal and, and at the death, but did you feel the crew did an admirable job of getting a result that they were trying to get and almost got? Yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a two minds. You know, you, you give up a goal that late. You obviously feel like you, you threw away an advantage, especially at home, especially how this team responded, uh, the, the, the conditions. It was a, it was a, a very, very uh, high-tension game between the two teams. Uh, you had a CONCACAF-level referee, which I think everybody knows what that means. Things were, were um, sloppy. And uh, the crew, <laughs> the crew looked uh, second uh, second best to everything uh, as soon as the game started. And for about 15 minutes, you know, they they go down one nothing, and uh, Lucas Elleron, um pretty much right when he got his yellow card, which uh, I, I'm I'm still not sure about the, the the tackle there, especially after some of the stuff that did happen uh, later in the game. Uh, he he turned it on and he put in a a, in a, a performance that I. Uh, it's rare to see that level of performance. Um, just just everything that he did uh, in, in, in kind of carrying this team and pushing them forward, getting to the ball, making things happen, uh, moments of individual brilliance. And uh, realistically, um, you know, to score three goals, one of them called back by VAR in, you know, next year, that, that probably that probably would have stood. Um, but the rules of the playing under, you know, it's offside. And to, and to really kind of come through and be leading as you approach the 90th minute, as you approach stopping time, stoppage time, to kind of flip the game uh, after uh, what, what it was a, a horror show of our first 15 minutes. Yeah, crew fans had to be thinking that, you know, you know they, they, they came and they took the punches and they came out victorious. And Monterey just flipped the switch and uh, they, they poured it on this uh, last uh, five minutes and, it, it kind of feels like you you threw away the the chance because Monterey has two away goals. You know the crew won't have Lucas Elleron on next Wednesday. It's a tall task to go down there and and you know shut them out for one. It's possible that they'll have a full strength lineup uh, depending on how this week's uh, uh, weekend's games go for them. And and you know do it one without Lucas Elleron to to kind of pull you through, uh, keep them off the board and score goals. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a, a gut wrencher. No, it really is. Especially you're gonna go down there to that brand new stadium. I mean, technically it's already a year old or so down in Monterey, but still though, 
if you've seen or watched any Liga MX games, especially Champions League games from last year, that's that's like a fortress. I mean, you know, if you thought the new stadium for the crew was going to be a fortress, uh, if you thought Red Bull Arena was a fortress for the Red Bulls, I mean, forget it. That place in Monterey is absolutely huge and raucous. Yeah, I, I, I haven't uh, haven't had a chance to see it yet. Um, you know, the reputation precedes it. And frankly, uh, you know, anywhere in Mexico, I think it's going to be a challenge for, for, for the crew, uh, for a lot of MLS teams. And, you know, it, it kind of gives me flashbacks to the Monsters Cave down in Costa Rica with Saprisa. You know, you're playing on that. You, you, you know, there, there are certain teams that, that can dig deep and get it. This team is, um, you know, was kind of built for Champions League. Uh, that was one of the goals that they're really trying to drive to, to be able to compete and, and bring another uh, MLS Cup, obviously, maybe compete for a supporter shield. But, you know, MLS, uh, but CONCACAF Champions League, you know, that's why you go out and get Bradley Wright Phillips, who uh, was, a, was a shot of energy once he came on uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, or you have Kevin Molino coming in, that you're just adding more firepower. That you have, uh, you know, midfielders like Aiden Morris, who, you know, showed up, uh, in uh, in uh, Nicaragua, but you know they they've been kind of to, to brought down by by some of these uh, injuries. Molino kind of uh, still getting um, his hamstring straight. You know uh, Morris with his ACL injury. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, like I said, came up strong, but still this is not um, you know the the hundred percent full strength crew team that you might have been thinking when uh, when all the signings were done in January that they'll make a deep run. Uh, but still, you know, it's, it, in, and now they're doing it without Zellerion, who was superhuman on Wednesday. So um, I, I've seen a lot of games where, where the crew go on the road, Latin America, um, you know, some bad memories of, of some Mexican games. It's going to be a tall order, um, you know, and, and playing in Monterey at the, uh, <laughs> at a very fearsome stadium is just making it an extra tall task. It really is. Uh, I suggest Google Maps and type in the Estadio BBVA. Uh, that's the home stadium for Monterrey, the Rayados. Um, the foul that everyone's been paying attention to uh, with what happened to Darlington Nagby, he got grabbed, fouled from behind, or what looked like to be a foul from behind. Um, I, I don't know. I guess it wasn't called as a foul. Uh, did you think that was a foul? Do you think that should have been a, at least a yellow card on that play by the Riados player? So, so yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to remember exactly as that happened when it was called. I think it, uh, I, I think it was a, a the, the the ref kind of made a hash of it, and you know I don't think VAR can give yellow cards, but you know he's pulled back and then he's cleated in the back of the leg. You know, by any standard, because, you know, Zellerion, I think, got what I would consider a soft yellow. You know, he made a cut. You know, he stepped on a foot. You know, a, a lot of times there will, there will be a case where, where that's, you know, kind of waved off, that it's incidental. It, it, you know, there was no lasting damage. That would be, uh, you know, no, uh, it would be a foul, but, you know, they would, they would kind of say, hey, just be careful. It's a little wet. You know, uh, you know not be as aggressive. But the but the 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 Darlington foul, uh, yeah, it's a foul. Yeah, it's a yellow card. 
I think there's even a case that, that VAR reviews that and says that that's serious foul play because you're including a guy in the back of the, the calf. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a chance to do serious injury. That game was as rough as I have seen a soccer game played in, in quite some time. Um, you know, there, there's a, a soft rain falling. There was a little bit of a drizzle. The, the ground was a little bit wet. So things got a little bit sloppy. But both teams were, were very aggressive. In, in going into to tackles, I know uh, Bubakeda, um, you know, made some collisions earlier, early in the game. Um, but the Raiders players were uh, ruthless in in um, in in their uh, 50-50s and their duels. And you know, I think sometimes you know went past where you know you, you should have seen some fouls, more fouls called, which you know they they 15 or above. I can't re- I, I can't even remember the the exact number. It was significant. But only one yellow card, which is uh, an offsetting yellow card uh, that Giazzi Zardes, um, a player who's usually even keeled, even got fired up. So um, it was it was interesting to see how they were really trying to, to escalate things. Um, you know the the the, uh, uh, the gamesmanship that comes with uh, you know some of these these games. Um, but again, coming back to it, the player who wasn't overawed by that. The player who knew what was coming, who uh, you know, uh, who, who who kind of willed the team to kind of settle in, you know, without Zelleron in that first half, you know, um, kind of making the the attack flow, uh, kind of digging in and and keeping possession, you know, the 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 crew, you know, they they might have gotten uh, blown out in this game a little bit early, but you know, it was that veteran presence to kind of steady things. And even though he, you know, more as much as any player on the crew got hacked down, um, he never, uh, you know, did anything to, to possibly even invite that second yellow card that would have been devastating to the crew comeback. And so, I, I, I you know, as much as, uh, you know, the, the foul to Nagby, uh, the yellow card that, that's kind of forcing Zellerion to, to not be in the second half, uh, second leg, uh, I, I, I'm just more and more impressed by the performance that Zellerion put in, because without him, it, it's a it's a whole different match, and uh, the crew don't come out looking nearly as good uh, without his uh, abilities there. I agree with you there, and uh, you know, as I've said, this is a huge task and a big task now for the crew to go forward down into Mexico, down in Monterrey at the Estadio BBVA. Um, I mean, you know, there's really not much more you can say. Columbus needs to score. If we're really looking honestly at away goals instead of the aggregate, because I think right now um, you would probably have to score two to at least force penalties into this situation. I'm not saying Columbus can't score two goals down in Monterey, but at least to threaten them to force penalties down there you got to score two on away goals and you're gonna have to score three to take the lead on aggregate if you are a, if the crew are able to hold monterey back and that's going to be a tall task uh heading back uh heading down to that second leg in mexico yeah i, I agree when i uh you know my instant reaction in, in chatting after the game on our uh our instagram live was that you know, that second goal was a killer because the best way forward is a nearly impossible task to hold them goalless at home and then, you know, eke out a goal because 
uh, you know, scoring three goals without Zeller on is going to be significant challenge. You know, you don't have, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Molina to drop in there uh, to, to kind of give your offense uh, uh, a spur in, in, in a big game. And you're relying on a lot of pieces that uh, are, are good, but aren't as transcendent as uh, what LZ is. So I, as, you know, you, you know, it, it, you kind of even have to, to hope to win it on aggregate um, outright because scoring three goals, scoring two goals and, 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 and tying it up, it, it's, it's going to be a very big challenge without Zelleron to kind of figure out how to lead this offense. And it's uh, not even like you can kind of rely on Alex Matan, who is um, still recovering. Uh, apparently he came into to the United States and had, um, you know, uh, to be, uh, segregated because of COVID, so he's still kind of getting up to fitness, even though they were, you know, expecting him this season to be kind of that backup if if Zellerand wasn't available. You know, you're you're kind of having to to rely on Pedro Santos as a different kind of player if he's forced to pay in that ten spot, or Darlington Nagby, but you're you know you don't necessarily have the depth in midfield that you would like. You know, it, it's it's really trying to to play that very tough, uh, you know, very very aggressive crew defense that uh, kind of eked them through, you know, some dry spells last fall uh, on, on their way to the championship to kind of do the same to get into the next round because, you know, the firepower and the offense, you're going to be a little under firepowered now. Yeah, no, absolutely. So CONCACAF just posted on Twitter real quick, uh, team of the week in the Champions League, Lucas Delorean in the uh, team of the week in the Champions League. What do you think? Yeah, so so Lucas and Milton both made team of the week as I understand it, and and both were fantastic. Yep. You know, uh, obviously Milton Valenzuela scoring a goal um, on on yep. Wednesday night, Zellerand scoring a goal as well. But uh, you know, they they both put in very very good performances. Um, you know, Valenzuela was was again excellent on defense. I think he's one of the best. Uh, one on one defenders at left back. Uh, he, he's really found his feet after his ACL injury in, in 2019. Uh, but, you know, Zellerion, uh, you know, if you want to have player of the, you know, player of the round, uh, even though he's going to be playing one game, he's put in an impressive performance to, to have an assist, have a goal, really kind of carry the team. Uh, it was that kind of performance. And so, you know, I think it's a, a just reward for the performance they put in on Wednesday night and the same thing for Melton. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Patrick, thank you very much. I'll talk to you next week. Good luck uh, down uh, with the crew for uh, the second leg in the quarterfinals, and let's see what happens. Maybe they pull off a miracle upset, so we'll see what happens. Have a good night, and I'll talk to you next Friday. Talk to you then. Thank you. All right, Patrick. All right, thank you. Patrick Gouldan, the Master Report, covering the Columbus crew, and uh, it's big. It's very, very big. This is a huge game for them. Try and get on a run, and let's see what happens uh, as they uh, try to move forward. Couldn't come on live tonight. Of course, another SB Nation uh, writer on soccer, Stumptown Footy. Kyle Garcia talks about the wild and wacky 1-1 draw against Club America. And here he is right now, Kyle Garcia. Welcome back. This is the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal first leg review show here on the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. Joining me tonight, after a wild, a wacky, it never, ever gets dull 
when Club America is involved with shenanigans on the pitch, and we love CONCACAF shenanigans, 1-1 draw at the death at Providence Park. Kyle Garcia, Stumptown footy of SB Nation covering the Portland Timbers. Kyle, I just want you to inform the audience from your vantage point at Providence Park, what did you see? And how many times did you need a heart pill to keep your emotions in check? Well, I, I mean, I wrote this in a like, follow-up story this morning. I was like, all right, if you're like me, then you haven't breathed really, like, had a normal heart rhythm since, like, last night. So hopefully just know that, that your result hasn't changed. It's total 1-1 draw. Don't worry. We did actually tie Club America the most, you know, one of the most successful teams in this um, tournament and, you know, one of the best league MX sides um, just in general. It was an insane night. It was the most, it was like the most like CONCACAF night. To, it was like the CONCACAF night to end all CONCACAF night. It was the most insane thing. For the last 10 minutes, like players going off in the stadium from Club America's side and so there was smoke all over the field. It was super chippy. Everyone's, you know, fouling left and right, drawing yellow cards left and right. And in the end, I was so certain that, you know, this was just going to be another game where the Timbers, they finally figure out how to get into the goal, generate the shots they need. But then it doesn't matter because they can't finish it because they don't have that finishing power out there without guys like Blanco and Abobasi. And but then they did. They got the they got the you know the penalty kick right at the end at the death in stoppage time, like you said. And they pulled off a one-one draw, which if you know, Gio said it last night. Felipe Mora said it last night um, in the press conference afterwards. And pretty much every Timbers fan was in agreement that the fact that we got out of there with a one-one draw, that's. That's pretty darn good, and that makes you feel a lot better going into Saudi Arabia, even though we they know that that's going to be a pretty tough match. Overall, it was just it was just the most dramatic and wild night that we could have asked for in Club America match. You know, I found it funny the owner of the Timbers, Merritt Paulson, uh, behind the uh, ad signs behind the goal where the penalty was called, he's pointing to the spot himself. Uh, he's just. He's like emphatically pointing to the spot, telling the referee, that's a penalty, that's a penalty. There's the handball, which, of course, I'd like to think there was an actual foul before the whole melee began inside Club America's penalty area in front of, of course, of the big-time Timber supporters on that side. I I really thought that the foul uh, was committed I know the handball kind of cemented it somewhat. Maybe VAR said there's a foul before everything. So to see Merritt Paulson going nuts behind the behind the ad signs behind the net was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's that's just that's just merit. I remember my first. This is just a quick merit story, and then I'll jump back to kind of the foul stuff. But for my first, it was like my first or second game covering the Timbers for Stumptown Footy. I was handling the live tweet. I don't remember even who they were playing. I just remember I tweeted something. There was a very, like, obvious and, like, clear foul that had happened. Um, and they it should have been a yellow card, but it was just given a common foul. And I remember I tweeted out, and I was like, possibly should have been a yellow. And that's when I learned 
And Mayor Fulton is very active on Twitter, and he immediately responds to Stumptown Footy being like, are you kidding me? How do you think that's only kind of a yellow card? That's obviously a yellow card. So if that tells you anything you need to know about Mayor Fulton is that he's very passionate about the teams that he owns. Um, but, yeah, so you saw it at the end. I know we were even just talking about it before we got on the air, just just, like, just how much of a mess and how much of a just a cluster of bodies just all you know, crowded into this tiny little box. Um, and there, I think there was a foul as well. I think in general that end of the game and really most of the second half was just incredibly physical and chippy. You could tell that both teams were kind of getting under each other's skins um, just in general. So I think there was something down there that probably happened. If anything, the handball is just kind of like confirmation almost or just a way to basically be like, you're going to get your penalty don't worry, there is something that happened in the box. So whether it was a handball or a foul, at this point, I guess it really doesn't matter because, you know, Timbers got the penalty kick and then Felipe Mora knocked it down. So not too bad uh, the ending because of how they, you know, got there. Exactly. And, of course, you're heading down to Mexico City with a 1-1 draw. Now, even though Club America is ahead on away goals 1-0, you have an opportunity, or the Timbers have an opportunity, I should say, to knock in at least level it on away goals or take the lead on away goals, you know, playing at the Estadio Azteca, which is the home stadium for Club America, and of course we all know the Mexican national team, um, that's going to be a huge and a very tall task to get any type of result there. In the last round, in the round of 16, Club America barely escaped against Olympia in the round of 16, they lost the match 1-0, but they were winners on away goals 2-1 as they ended that aggregate 2-2. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of kind of the way I see it, is that, like, Olympia, if anything, kind of showed that Club America, the giant, even the Giants that they are, um, you can get to them. And even last time, the Timbrick and half, they were just kind of, they didn't finish a goal, They, but they went from generating no shots in the first half to generating 10 in the second half. And if anything, that showed that they were kind of, you know, figuring out something in terms of like, all right, this is what we can do to get, you know, connect on our passes better in the midfield and just be a little more fluid and dynamic with our offense. And so I think for the Timbers just going into Stadio Azteca, the big thing for them is just going to be finding that mess magic that they found in that second half and playing with that energy and not, you know, being lackadaisical in those midfield passes, making sure they're connecting from and, you know, handling whatever Club America can throw at them. Because that's a, you know, Club America is still a heck of a team, but if anything, I think this past game or this past match showed that there's, there's, you know, holes that you can exploit. And, you know, there's always the hope that, you know, even by next week also that you get Jeremy Bobacy back maybe. They said... Uh, Gio mentioned that Blanco is still a little ways out. He's not as close as they expected, but if you won't have that offensive firepower, I would guess, most likely. But if you get someone like J-Bo back to help out and give, you know, maybe at least an option on the either the wing or at striker, someone to give Morris from relief eventually, that maybe even. I think there's just ways that they can figure out how to break through and get that away goal or two that they need in order to advance. I don't think it's going to be easy, but it is a possibility. Now, you are lucky enough because Roger Martinez, he scored 
penalty goal to give Club America the lead before halftime. He was under yellow card, uh, you know, warning because he received the yellow card in the round of 16. <clears throat> he picked up the second yellow card, and now he'll be suspended for the second leg down at the Estadio Azteca. Now, obviously, one man is not enough to uh, put down or to dampen Club America at home, but do you feel that's an advantage the Timbers can exploit? I think so. I think that should be something that anytime you're, you know, you're going up against a guy who, or you're going up against a team that's down a guy, um, and especially the guy who, you know, is responsible for the one goal against you, I think that's an advantage to um, the other side. What I'm trying to remember right now at the top of my head is who is the player, I want to say it was Dario Zuperich, um, who drew that, I can't remember if it was Dario or not, maybe you'll remember, I'm totally drawing a blank, but the Timbers have a player that will be out now too next week. Also, though, I think due to yellow card um, accumulation, and it's, I'm totally blanking on it, but I believe it's a defensive player, so... Um, I think I think it's a defensive player, at least. I'm so sorry for totally blanking on it, but I think that's another disadvantage towards the Timbers because, you know, they're down also another center back because just last week their, center, their backup, um, CB, um, is shown he just tore his Achilles during training last week. So the depth is going to be an issue, I think, for Portland for just like the early run still. So even if Roger Martinez is gone from Club America – my hope is that the Timbers aren't looking at that and being like, oh, okay, we'll be fine. That gives us a little bit of an advantage because, you know, that's, you know, that kind of, that sense of uh, complacency, that can really hurt you as a team, um, especially a team like the Timbers that has a tendency, you know, float around and then be like, all right, let's turn it on now. So I think it's an advantage um, having Martinez out, but we'll just have to see kind of how it goes. And you got to say, uh, nine yellow cards in this one, four for the Timbers, five for Club America. Uh, as the old adage goes, it's CONCACAF, or you've been CONCACAF. It, isn't it amazing to see when you take on a team as historic as Club America is, but at the same time, they always have to act like this. Whenever they play an MLS side, they feel, I mean, look, they feel they're superior enough, and I understand they're a historical club uh, from Mexico and Liga Mexico, of course, is the old, one of the oldest leagues in the Americas right now, especially in our uh, region of North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. But still, though, isn't it weird how, as great as they claim to be, as uh, historical of a club as they are, that they have to resort to these types of tactics? I mean, yeah, I think it's a little strange, especially because. Um, when you look at Club America, I believe I'm looking up from our from the Timbers resident stat man. I think I have the stat right here. He, he tweeted out last night: Club America has never beaten an MLS club on U.S. soil in a competitive match. They have zero wins, three draws, and five losses. Like, I don't know if that necessarily even means anything now, especially since we're not going to be playing on an MLS um, in an MLS stadium. We're going to Estadio Azteca. But, like, I think it's interesting to think about that because I think there is this general, you know, feeling because it's something that's been proven to be true over the years that, you know, League MX has this, you know, this power, this kind of, you know, pride in this power over these MLS clubs because they've been beating them for most of this time. But 
I think if anything we've seen in this tournament that the MLS teams can be pretty dangerous. And I think MLS, you know, we saw that in the round of 16 as all MLS teams advanced. So I think for the Timbers, if anything, they have extra motivation going into this game. They've played them once. They have this, like, Phoenix, this kind of chip on their shoulder from this what was an intense match. They have momentum on their side. I want. I think that there's a very good chance that the Timbers figure something out and can try and get a good result here. I don't know necessarily that'll happen, but kind of like you said, we've seen Club America have to kind of resort to different things, and I think maybe that's something that Timbers can take advantage of. We'll see what happens next week, and once again, it'll be over at the Estadio Azteca uh, for the second leg. Uh, this should be exciting and fun, and hopefully the Timbers. Uh, can do the job. All you got to do is score more away goals than uh, than them, and uh, hopefully you'll advance uh, into the semifinals later in the year. So Kyle Garcia, Stumptown Footy of SB Nation, thank you for joining me tonight, and I'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And that was Kyle Garcia, Stumptown Footy, as the Portland Timbers get that big goal at the death. 1-1 draw. Uh, Club America still leading on away goals, but we shall wait and see what's going to happen. But other than that, here's the schedule for next week for the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals. Second leg matchup on Tuesday, May 4th at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Philadelphia Union hosting Atlanta United at Subaru Park. And then Cruz Azul hosting Toronto FC uh, at 10:15. That match will be at the Estadio Azteca as well. And then on Wednesday, May 5th at 8 o'clock, Monterrey hosting the Columbus Crew, Estadio BBVA in Monterrey. And then, of course, Club America will be hosting the Portland Timbers. That will be at 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time. And that will also be at the Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. Uh, the semifinals, once again, will be played in August, September. And then, of course, uh, the final, which will be a one-match affair, a one-match affair that will be in October. And uh, we shall see what's going to happen. That final date will be October the 28th. So we'll see how far. We all know. Either Philadelphia or Atlanta will advance into the semifinals of the winners of that one, of that tie. Uh, it all depends on the other three matchups. We'll have to wait and see. You can watch it in English on Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2. You can also watch it in Spanish on TUDN, Spanish Language Univision's uh, Spanish Language Sports Channel. I want to thank my guests tonight. Patrick Gouldan, Kyle Kyle Garcia, um, Dwayne Rollins, and Matt Ralph. They will be back again next Friday, and hopefully uh, we'll also have on Jason Longshore next Friday of 92.9 FM, the game in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta United um, radio analyst for the radio with Mike Conte. We'll hopefully have him on. We'll see what happens. Other than that, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me this coming Monday night as we will get back with the Forestines Fire American Soccer Show. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now. This has been the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals round, excuse me, quarterfinals 
first leg review show. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.